passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to this week's Cafe Hangout. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Thank you for checking in live here on the Cafe Hangout. It is the the post-mortem after the WWE's big earnings call for the fourth quarter and uh, encapsulating the entire year of 2019. Uh, today's edition of the Cafe Hangout is brought to you by the word transformative. That will be a word that we will probably use quite a lot. Wayne and I also were thinking of maybe making this a really authentic post-investors call show by doing the entire thing on speakerphone. How would that have been? Um, man, that sucks. Oh, everybody, um, good quarter. Uh, you know, revenue's up. And, uh, <laughs> you figure for, like, you know, a did, company... Did Vince need a lozenge or something at the beginning of that call? He oh, was either God, in the middle knows. of eating something or he had, like, something in his throat. You God, figure... I, I, I was thinking of, like, Darren Drozdoff, like... Asking him to puke by the end of it. Wow. You figure for like a multimedia company boasting record profits, it's, you know, not that difficult to set up a proper microphone setup. Skype? I mean, Skype, I mean, something like that. But whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's authentic, isn't it? Well, this show is authentic. And we are going to be joined by the leader of the, the WrestleNomics movement. Brandon Thurston is going to be on the call with us in just a little bit as we're going to be going through the earnings report, the investors call afterward, and... How successful the company was in taking uh, last week's very damaging news that the stock is certainly still feeling the reverberations from and how successful they were in managing expectations for 2020 and shifting the the focus. And, you know, way as someone that uh, was following all of this today, what would you say would have been the the headline of this call this morning? Well, um. Let me just again preface that a lot of this stuff is still relatively new to me. I'm not really somebody who follows um, numbers, uh, finances as it relates to the company in a great way. But as somebody who provide some color on that for us, what do you mean? That's <laughs> color. Yes, we want uh, lots of color. Yeah, you know, my main takeaways I think coming out of it seem to be uh, not so much you know perhaps a lot of um, fallout from even the the firings of Barrios and Wilson, and maybe more so uh, this being overshadowed by what Vince was discussing as it related to the future of the WWE network. That seemed to be the major discussion point coming out of this. It was far less focused on the departures of George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. And even further to that, it seemed that the plummeting of the stock was not even something that felt as though it was a sky is falling mentality from the investors. Although it seemed the concern was primarily centered on why aren't these deals done yet with India uh, and the Middle East, North Africa region, and what's going on with the XFL. Can give us anything. And they were everyone was on message throughout this whole thing that the XFL is 
a total separate entity. Mm-hmm. After me, everybody, total separate entity. Specifically, there are 400 people employed by the company, so uh, it has nothing to do with this. Yes, and Vince McMahon has very broad shoulders. I can do a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some other gems from him? Uh, AEW has not change, uh, led to any change in our product at all. And in regards to replacements for Barrios and Wilson, I mean, who wouldn't want to work with us? <laughs> Didn't throw that laugh in there, but he did have the laugh in there actually when he said, "Who wouldn't want to work with us?" (laughs) He did have a chuckle in there, which is rare for Vince on these calls. Um, What were your takeaways, John? Well, first of all, it was certainly uh, placing Frank Riddick in the George Barrios role. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the interim CFO. Yes, certainly has not inherited the vocabulary of George Barrios on conference call number one. But I would say, like, there was still. a lot of uncertainty at the end of this um smaller point would be you know there's still this was a it sounds like a very quick move to exit barrios and wilson they're still they're searching for replacements and also looking and, and trying to maintain the the illusion that or not illusion but that you know we have the infrastructure here that we can we can digest these losses and not skip a beat, which was the language Vince McMahon used. But yes, it's the future of the WWE Network that they seem to be m- much more forthcoming in being open about any deal that that there are deals on the table that are in advanced stages that could be announced in this quarter, in the first quarter of the year with regards to their their key OTT content, which you would read as the pay-per-views to be uh, worked out in a deal with a major streaming player that's out there. So that's going to bring to mind your ESPN Pluses, the zones. There's um, the Peacock Network that NBC Universal is launching coming up in the spring. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that you and I were just talking about this as like this pie in the sky theory about what would WrestleMania do on Fox. And while we might not be talking about linear television, WrestleMania being on a non WWE network streaming platform. Seems like something tangible now. Coming off of the uh, reported success of uh, what USC has done uh, for ESPN Plus, I'm sure WWE is looking at that. Maybe not so much WWE, but all of ESPN Plus's competitors are looking at what other comparative. What's a product that is analogous to UFC that can drive similar Mm -hmm. engagement that people are used to paying for uh, on pay per view? Mm -hmm. And wrestling, I think, would be the closest thing. Um, So really interesting perhaps you know this this potential shift in direction for uh wwe's pay-per-view uh properties and uh we'll be talking to brandon a lot more about that do you have any more clarity i mean they did some some investors did call in uh, referring to you know what changes uh will, will take place after barrios and wilson some somebody actually specifically tried to ask for a bit more detail about what those disagreements might have been do you have any more clarity about that it seemed like they were very vague other than to say that our strategy has not changed. It was more so the execution of that strategy, which is where the two sides differed. Obviously, there's much more to it than that. It has to be the fact that both presidents are on their way out. But when you when you piece little things together, and granted, you, you are doing a bit of speculation here, Barrios and Michelle Wilson were very much tied to the WWE Network. And coming out of this call, it tells me there was a a fundamental shift in the philosophy around the WWE Network. You can look at the subscriber numbers that this thing peaked at WrestleMania 34 in 2018. That was where they were on WrestleMania Day. When you include all subscribers, they were over 2.1 million subscribers. Uh, at this past quarter, they were at 
just over 1.45 million at the end of 2019. They're only projecting a minor bump this year for Royal Rumble season in the in the first quarter and the lead up to WrestleMania. It seems like they have realized that the those ridiculous figures that we had at the onset that George Barrios was a big proponent of three to four million subscribers based on their data. That's that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, two million paid subscribers does not look like it's it's within reach. So. Are you going to take, hey, we're going to pivot to rights fees for a lot of these big shows mm-hmm. with the hope that there's still going to be a core base that will keep this network? I mean, that's the other question is what becomes of the network if your biggest content drivers are you're being sent elsewhere and to pay extra at a, on another service. And again, I think we can look at UFC as a potential you know, uh, sample of, of what the network can turn into with what they use for Fight Pass. For the, the hardcores, the, for a the very hardcores. A boutique product that yep. is going to satisfy, you know, a, if, if they removed all the pay-per-views, that number isn't going to, you know, a minuscule amount. It's mm-hmm. still fine. And it's also... Yeah. Way less operating costs when you're taking out the the live aspect of mm-hmm. all of that live content that you run on the network. That can you run it at at a much more reduced level? And to me, that it, it has a lot of um, ripple effects. The yeah. NXT satellite promotions, like, are you just going to view these as we need to have television if we're going there? We want to have a BT Sport in place on day one, not two years into it, because just putting all this for the WWE network, like that's no longer the WWE network's role to, to house these promotions that are going to be loss leaders for us. Potentially it could also mean, you know, a ramped up acquisition of other properties. Um, you know, uh, like what fight pass tends to do with other promotions than the UFC that they air on that service. So could they be turning that into, uh, you know, a platform similar to, to fight or something like that? It um, would seem that the two ideas that would be at odds would be, a scaling down of the network and, you know, siphoning off the pay-per-views with the idea that we had been hearing forever about this tiered network system. Like that doesn't really compute to me this time where we're going to be introducing higher tiers when we're taking away the most valuable properties on this network. Mm -hmm. And maybe that gives you some idea into what the philosophical divide was because, you know, Wilson and Barrios were very much like kind of the, when you looked at the, um, the, the, uh, the, whole shareholders uh, presentation that they do every year around WrestleMania time, they were the two public faces of that tiered network system and presenting it to the public. And they were going to be attached to that. And this to me seems like a, a step in another direction that I don't know how you take away the pay-per-views and introduce like a higher tiered system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we we move on, I suppose, um, and get into maybe some phone calls, any any like major figures, like you know, performance wise, that that you wanted to introduce to the audience. Um, I mean, in terms of just the the actual report and and some of the you know the big stories coming out of it. I mean, this is they're com- they're boasting a a, a record setting year for profits. Yes, and and a quarter record setting quarter. Highest quarterly revenue in WWE history. Was yeah, revenues. they they had revenue of uh, three hundred and twenty two point eight million for the quarter. Gi- gigantic uh, net income of just over sixty nine million dollars for the year. They had overall uh, their net income for the year was uh, just over seventy seven million dollars. That is down from two thousand nineteen, uh, but that was also this year. They put a ton into their new headquarters and infrastructure, so that's. That's going to be their major source of expenditures for the next couple of years. Uh, adjusted OEBDA was right at 180 million, which they pretty much 
outlined and stated as much last week with the Barrios and Wilson news that it was going to be on the low end of their estimate from the last quarter. And that did cause the that certainly was part and parcel with the with the stock drop was the adjusted uh, figure that they were anticipating. But I mean, this is a company that it is it is living off their their core content rights fees. And I think they're looking at you know, some of our ver- our most valuable products are on the WWE network mm-hmm. that is no longer in a growth period. It's mm-hmm. now in decline. So do we strip this apart and sell the most valuable pieces when there's streaming companies out there that are craving potential content like this mm-hmm. for, uh, from us? Yes. Any uh, further insight as to uh, what Saudi Arabia's contributions were for this report? Um, the other figure is what it would be uh, worked into. I'll, I'll I'll look that up okay. um, for for that figure as well. But yeah, that was figured in because we did have the the crown jewel show back in October. The current stock price as of this recording is forty four point seven five US, which is down eight point six seven percent from uh, yesterday, I suppose. And earlier it opened up at forty point two four, which was uh, I believe a twenty one month low. Yeah, I think overnight it. It actually dipped below forty dollars, really, um, in like after hours trading. Hmm. So it had a very low open today um, at the forty dollar mark. Do you want to go to our first phone call? Yes, let's take some calls before uh, we get to Brandon. Hello, caller, you're on the air. What's going on, caller? You're in the cafe. Can you hear us? Going once, going twice. Nope. Gone, gone. Okay. Uh, we we also had a couple notes here from the from the call. Um, with regards to the India and uh, Middle Eastern TV deals, they just said that uh, there had been regulatory issues in India that had complicated the negotiations. Now, that deal has expired, but they are still on the air there, Just I, I presume under the existing uh, deal that had run up. And then with the Middle Eastern deal, uh, they cited the intricacies of working with the Saudi Arabian government as the reason for that holdup. <laughs> intricacies. Intricacies. And... They, I mean, that was one thing, like they didn't present any cause for concern that these deals would be completed. Mm -hmm. It only is a matter of the timing of when they will be complete. So there was, they very much wanted to convey that there should be no panic about these deals. They're coming. Let's go to to the phone lines. Neil, you're on the air. What's going on? Hi, guys. Yeah, I would just like to um, join in with John and say my least favorite new management speak phrase which you alluded to is, can you provide some color? Which one of them said, and then it, it seemed to be every other caller on the, la- on the, on the investor call wanted to... I've never heard that phrase today. You know, uh, it's, today. it's in the handbook. It's got its own lingo that, that might as well be as sort of uh, confusing as professional wrestling lingo to an I outsider. I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, but I've never heard that phrase before today, and I never want to hear it again. You know, I mean, what's wrong with saying, can you elaborate or... Can you have some, could we get further? How, anyway. How close do you follow the financials typically, Neil? Not, um, not much. What, what, what uh, you guys provide and what uh, I see on Twitter from Brandon mm-hmm. Thurston, that is not Brandon from New Jersey. <laughs> Although I, who knows? I'd love he to hear be. his analysis at some point. I'm sure you, I'm sure you will. <laughs> but um, yeah. And it was with you on Vince's voice. At the, he may as well have been one of Charlie Brown's teachers at the start of that call. I couldn't catch a word of what he was saying. So, blah, 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 blah. You know, but yes, corporate finance is a mystery to me. But I don't understand how anyone could take the word of Vince McMahon that they won't miss a beat, that he has broad shoulders, that he knows what's happening and dangling vague promises of better monetization of their, I think he said, 
most premium content, meaning I guess is the pay-per-views. You know, um, we, I mean, you say that, Neil, and I, I absolutely understand it um, because, like, you know, like, look no further than what was it this time last year when he was questioned about live events and him saying yes. that we know what, what how to fix this. And I suppose the fix ultimately was to cut shows. Um, but at the same time, it seems like <clears throat> he is a required presence for a lot of these stockholders to maintain their confidence in the company's operations. Yes, well, I guess he's the kind of, uh, no pun intended, the rock, you know, on the which the company is, he's the figurehead, he's the, the constant, but uh, he's also a bit of a, a ringmaster, and they must know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the consumer side, I mean, we've all gotten used to, for years, paying the flat fee of nine ninety nine for the network, which includes all of the pay-per-views, and that's going to be hard for people to to move from. I think you know. I noticed recently with the move to BT Sport in the UK that when the Royal Rumble was coming up, they were advertising it as a traditional pay per view buy for nineteen ninety five. That's British pounds, which is about twenty five dollars US. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, why would I pay that when I'm paying nine ninety nine? Yeah, every month to get everything for free. But if that's the road they're going down, I think it's a rocky one. It, potentially, who's going to pay for the likes of was it TLC last year, where there really wasn't any card? I think apart from one or two matches until the day. You know, um, well, it could be a case where those stay on the network, and you only save the big four for pay per view. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you very much for the call, Neil. We got to cut you off because we got to go to uh, our our guest for the for the show, Brandon. Yeah, and that you know it. It brings about the the many, many questions of, you know, having still something to stabilize the WWE network. And that could very well be the compromise in that your your big four, your big five pay-per-views end up somewhere else. And you keep the the smaller B-shows, your takeovers for the WWE network. Because there's also the the question at hand of that. If you are to move such a, a major pay-per-view event, what impact that's going to have on your on your worldwide audience so joining us now a staple whenever we have these these big earnings calls from the wwe and this uh maybe the most newsworthy at least uh going into it today brandon thurston joins us the man behind russellnomics radio brandon how are you today it's it's a transformative day and we wanted to have you on to uh discuss uh the theme of the day it is it's the uh Maybe the, the biggest uh, quarterly report we've had in, in some time, maybe since I've been trying to cover this stuff since uh, about 2015. So, so going back, and it feels uh, ages at this point to a week ago with the news dropping about George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. I mean, I found it pretty, pretty stunning. But what was your initial reaction that day, uh, just getting that news and just the veracity of such an impactful move that the company made just seven days ago? Yeah, it was really surprising. Uh especially for the investment community, George Berrios, who's one of the co-presidents, had been really the face of, of WE, uh, going to conference calls and doing a lot of the talking uh, on, on these conference calls in, in, the, uh, in the quarterly reports. And Michelle Wilson had been the, the chief marketing officer before that, uh, before she was a co-president. So the, these two are really the, uh, the top executives on the business end. And, uh, of course, Vince is the CEO. But uh, I, I never expected them to be fired uh, when they were. And we've got you see the uh, stock price fall by about seven uh, percent on the day today, but I think it, it fell something like twenty percent uh, after the after the market closed when they made that announcement on Thursday. So I, I guess you know they all all, the, all we really got from the uh, press release was that uh, there were some differences in vision 
And I don't know what that really means, but we learned today, as you guys were talking about a, a moment ago, that it looks like WWE is thinking about selling its pay-per-views to uh, maybe a, a bigger streaming player. And with the W Network really being the pitch of George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, it, it looks like maybe that may have been the biggest factor in explaining their exit. It would certainly seem, and we were just discussing this, that you know th- this move that was you know Vince McMahon, for, for a deal that is not complete, they were very open about wh- what how big this deal could be for them it very much comes at odds from what we've heard from george barrios and michelle wilson who have been really the public faces of that that tiered system that it would seem to be at odds to be introducing um a a price increase at certain levels on the network when you could potentially as well be auctioning off your most desired content on there yeah it really leads you to believe that maybe um vince was privately disappointed with how the network was performing uh, the network has been down, I think, every quarter since WrestleMania. The most recent WrestleMania, it's been down in year-over-year comparisons. It was down in this this quarter, Q4. Their projection for subscribers for Q1 is going to be down year-over-year as well. So I could, I could see, maybe it's just my speculation, but but Vince you know, sort of having some regret or feeling that the W Network is not working out the way he wanted it to. And and, and like, just honestly, it may just be a, a better financial move to uh, – to sell the pay-per-views to a big streaming player. I don't know. I maybe like Peacock there, you know, NBC universal is launching Peacock uh, later this year, maybe DAZN. I'm sure Vince uh, saw what happened with UFC and how they sold their pay-per-views to ESPN plus and the great deal that they got for that. So um, mm-hmm. it, it may just work out to be a better financial deal for WWE. It, it wasn't as if, you know, they came right out and announced that, hey, we're going to take all these off the network and we're going to do this and all that. But, I mean, it was certainly mentioned and alluded to more than once. How much of it do you think, you know, this was them thinking about what what big news we can we could use to perhaps to, you know, instill more confidence in, in our uh, stockholders or just to get out of this kind of rut that they're in uh, PR wise? Um, I, I mean, I think it's a real it's a, it's a real deal. It's probably going to happen. Vince seemed very confident uh, in saying that. uh you know, just to give you an idea of how how far along this thing is, he said that it, it it sounds like they may even be able to complete it by Q1. So, I mean, it, it definitely helps. It takes some attention. It causes some distraction from a lot of the concern and anxiety around Barrios and Wilson being out. But uh, I, I think this is a real deal, and and if it turns out to be as impressive as it could be, it could really help their stock recover from the losses that they've had in the last week. Can you envision a model for the WWE Network that kind of approximates what? A lot of people thought should have been its projection at the beginning that you put on the B pay-per-views and then your biggest ones would be saved for pay-per-view. In this case, uh, licensing them out to larger streaming players and that way you satisfy at least your hardcore base. There will be probably some drop to the network, but not you know pulling the plug on something that they've been you know so attached to this project for you know about a decade now. When you look at all the planning that went into it. Yeah, I mean, I could see something like that. I definitely agree that it, just in hindsight, it's pretty easy to see that uh, the way that the WWE Network launched in 2014 at 999, to put all the pay-per-views on there, they would have made more money if they had kept WrestleMania and, and maybe two or three other pay-per-views exclusively on pay-per-view. But I, I, I think uh, it's, it's more likely that they're going to sell all the events. I mean, I, I guess just lo- looking at what, what UFC did, I guess UFC sold 20 of its events annually to ESPN+. Plus. WWE, could, I'm sure, could do what they're doing, what, 12 to 15 pay-per-views a year. So I, I would expect it to be more of a they, they sell all of those pay-per-views in a package to a big streaming player to uh, get maximum value out of it. And, and what do you feel like eliminating the pay-per-views? Where do you see that the WWE network becoming in the WWE's business? Like certainly it is 
a distant priority at that point. How much, how much, uh, how much revenue are you putting into upkeep of the network and and focusing on it with new original content versus just being a library? Right, I guess that's the question, and it could just end up being something like Fight Pass, where you basically have yeah. the library, and uh, and maybe you find some some other stuff there. I know there's been talk for years now about putting progress and evolve on the WWE network, and that's yet to materialize. So you know, I, I know the UF, UFC, just to liken it to UFC, UFC puts a lot of you know, you know secondary MMA promotions on on the on Fight Pass, and maybe there's some sort of in ring content that they could provide in in that way, and, and there's still a ton of other content on the W network as, as well as I think there's value just in the, in the library. I'm sure if you took all the pay-per-views off the, off the network, the subscribership is going to fall tremendously, but I think there's still a market for W's enormous tape library. Um, but yeah. Do you have any uh, further insight uh, after uh, recent numbers about uh, perhaps the contributions of Saudi Arabia and, uh, uh, and maybe just any further thought on, uh, I guess how they presented sort of the difficulties in trying to organize a deal with uh, KSA. Yeah, so it looks like to me that uh, the Saudi Arabia deal was worth maybe another forty to fifty million dollars. That's about in the range of what each event has been worth up to this point. Um, they, they were also there's also talk about some international TV deals, including a MENA TV deal, which is Middle East North Africa TV deal, and an India TV deal. The India TV deal, I believe, has expired. It's it's still, I guess, Raw is still, and maybe SmackDown too. Raw is definitely still airing in, in India. Um, there was. The explanation was that there were regulatory changes with with India that made uh, completing the deal difficult, and so the but the Middle East North Africa partner is a is a channel called MBC, which is I believe sixty percent ownership uh, by the, the government of Saudi Arabia. So they're dealing with the same partner there that they're dealing with for the events. So uh, and uh, I think Frank Riddick, who is the interim CFO in the absence of George Berrios, said there are just some intricacies in dealing with. <laughs> of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that was our so, second our second keyword of this uh, conference. Intricacies. Yeah. Um, it, as you kind of look, you know, so much is is focused on the company's business when it comes to their their rights fees and such. When you're looking at the other sectors of the business, uh, we we can start off with with live events. What did uh, this year's earnings report uh, tell you about that sector? And any conclusions on your own about the company's strategy? It appears to uh, certainly. Uh, decrease house shows moving forward yeah i mean other than decreasing the number of shows that they run i don't know if they really have a strategy and and maybe that's just i, I think part of that is just due to the popularity of the product and all of these downstream effects that we see with engagement metrics with with whether it's viewership or merchandise sales or ticket sales all this i think just has to do with the quality of the product and and the stars that they create or haven't created but um but but the live events total attendance for the for the year was down they we're at about 1.5 million in total attendance uh, worldwide, and they've broken 2 million in, in many years prior to this. Um, but they've, in, in Q4, they ran fewer events in North America, so the, and the average was up. Mm-hmm. So their, their average attendance was 5,800 for Q4, which was a lot better than it's been in Q4 the last couple of years, but they ran far fewer events. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, so um, live events at this point, are in most quarters, excluding the the WrestleMania quarter, is losing money. It lost money again, but but that but that WrestleMania quarter is so strong that the the entire division does make money. So I I I, I kind of feel like maybe we're just at, at this point, at least in in the the way that WWE is right now, uh, that live events are just kind of a loss leader. It's it's something that you have to have to to create the media and sell the media and have. You know TV rights and to have pay per view and to have a W network or to or to sell it to a streaming player so you can make make a lot of money that way. 
Yeah, and it, it would seem like the strategy is almost to get away from your smaller towns that are going to drag that average down, and we're going to see house shows more limited to your your A and B markets uh, to complement you know television and pay per view. That it's it's not going to be those those tiny spots that never get WWE. It seems those are the ones that are most likely to be eliminated in this this new era. Yeah, I mean that's a good question. It's not something I know for sure. I guess we could look at. Maybe if they, if they do end up running fewer shows over the next year or so, to look at to see if there are uh, if uh, Fargo, North Dakota is the, or if, is that South Dakota? I think it's in North Dakota, right? But anyway, if uh, Fargo is not being run as much as, as it was once before, but yeah, you would think that the, those events in the smallest markets are going to draw the smallest crowds and are going to be the hardest to profit from. So that makes sense. In terms of the investors' call, and if if they're going into this call with the idea of switching the conversation away from the past week of news, how successful do you think they were um, over the course of, the, of this call and instilling confidence in their investors? Do you think that was that was successful today? Well, not super successful because I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the stock price right now and it's down about nine and a half percent on the day, uh, which is uh, you know, it was up at around, I think, maybe 49 uh, yesterday. So I, I think there was like um, in general compared to other conference calls, the financial analysts who get to ask questions, there's a lot more more of a vibe of uncertainty and anxiety with mm-hmm. them than there is usually. And to the point where uh, a couple times the, the XFL question was asked and what WWE is going to end up being more involved with the XFL. And emphatically, Vince had to, had to make it very clear that no, they're totally separate companies. And he says that there's 400 employees working for the XFL, and it's not going to be something that uh, the is involved in. And there's, there's actually this lawsuit that uh, was just found the documentation, found the, uh, the complaint in December for there's, there, there's a, a very small uh, investor called the Oklahoma Firefighters Pension and Retirement System that's filed a lawsuit, and they're not claiming any financial damages yet, but they're, they, they're demanding records because they're alleging that um, basically WWE sold – to Alpha Entertainment, which is the public, which is the parent company of XFL, they, they sold to Alpha Entertainment the intellectual property for XFL, and W employees uh, have been providing support services to the XFL, and uh, this this is all part of the public record in, in the SEC filings. Um, but the the plaintiff is alleging that we don't know how these you know how these rates were calculated. Uh, there's evidence that the Ebersol family is going to offer uh, fifty million dollars for the XFL IP when they were interested in it uh, before they ran the AAF. So, so the the plaintiff is basically alleging that maybe there's there's these transactions happening between WWE and the XFL parent company that are well below market value, which is therefore not in the investor's interest. Uh, onto the topic of uh, NXT, which was brought up at one point, um, any insight on maybe how much exactly that deal might be bringing the WWE right now? From all accounts, yeah, was, it seems like Vince is pretty happy. Yeah, I was really hoping that. Uh, we would learn something about what the NXT TV deal was worth, if anything. You know, we've, it, when that deal was announced uh, a few months ago in September, there, we heard everything from $60 million a year to $30 million a year to rumors that maybe they're not getting hardly any money at all for it. But it's the way that WWE is, is reporting their accounting, they're putting the Raw and SmackDown money in with the NXT money in a line called core content rights fees. So because this was the first quarter with the big upgrades, in the new t- new US TV deals for Raw and SmackDown, there's a there's a big jump in in this Q4 compared to all the quarters in the past. So it's really hard to splice out what there, we don't have like a regular pattern for Raw and SmackDown to say, oh, it's higher this time by a little bit. So maybe that's kind of the NXT money. 
the, the the jump is so enormous and I don't know exactly how to do the math to say, well, this is what we should have expected if there wasn't NXT in it. So I don't, maybe we'll get to some more clues in the annual report that should come out in maybe about an hour or so. And maybe there's some other other math we can do to try and unpack it. But I just don't know right now. But the uh, NXT was mentioned and AEW was mentioned on the call. Uh, there was a question about it. Uh, Vince said that the you know AEW is not changing anything in terms of how they they make their content and he, he and I don't people get kind of funny about the word competition uh, but he said yeah the NXT is competing with AEW he said that outright and he's very happy with how NXT is doing on Wednesday night he said they're doing extremely well even though uh, AEW is beating NXT head to head on TNT in just about every demographic except for viewers over the age of fifty he also said that um, the need for edgy content is not there. And that they're uh, proud to be a PG uh, product, and I, the whole time I'm just I'm wishing, like in this slideshow, they they throw up some highlights of the past uh, several months of uh, Bobby Lashley, Lana, uh, wonderful PG content uh, as well. Um, how much of the of these investors do you think actually watch the shows versus just you know looking at the numbers? Very few of them. I think there's probably some in, some of the analysts who occasionally watch, but there's definitely a huge. Um, a huge difference between the kind of analysis that you get from wrestling fans, the way that wrestling fans react to uh, events like today and the way that the analysts uh, uh, you know, react to it. I mean, I don't think any of them are very strong wrestling fans and they look at this as a media business, just like they look at, look at Netflix or look at Disney and it's, you know, their background is talking about media strategy and thinking about how WWE is going to monetize whatever. And I, th I think the biggest difference that, that, that those analysts miss is how important creating stars is to WWE's business, and that's that's the one thing that they're hardly ever pressed on. That I think is so central to their business and can so greatly affect their business. And I think the decline in a lot of metrics that we, I've seen over the last few years uh, it coincides with the increased absence of John Cena over the last few years and lack of I think any any comparable star in his place. And I think that's to me the biggest divide. That if you are looking at this this possible. Uh, WWE Network deal on the table is that you're instantly going to compare to what the UFC has been able to bring to ESPN Plus, and you know we we don't see what those numbers are up until the, this past uh, Conor McGregor Donald Cerrone fight, but that's entirely star driven, and that's going to fluctuate from event to event with your ultimate peak uh, last month with the McGregor fight that. The WWE certainly does not have anything approximating a Conor McGregor that they're bringing to these streaming services. And I, I think that's that that's a huge aspect to when people are deciding if they are going to spend money or not on on a specialty attraction like that. Yeah. And, and so you guys pay more attention to UFC than I do. Would you say that, though, although UFC, in the case of when you have big Conor McGregor fights, the peaks are way bigger than even a WrestleMania. But is the average audience for WWE larger than the average audience for UFC? I would say consistently, yes. When you when WWE is still on on its worst weeks, still topping two million viewers every Monday night, um, that's you know certainly going to be dwarfing what your typical fight night card is, is going to be doing. But certainly the highs are that much more dramatic for a big UFC card. Yeah, uh, so I think that's part of the calculus. There is that hey, we've got a bigger average audience than something like UFC, so maybe we can get a, a deal that's maybe even better than than what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's – do you even think like this this strategy, like if you were assessing this, Brandon, about the, the WWE Network and looking at the data that it would suggest that it really did peak in terms of subscribers about two years ago, like is there is there newfound 
subscribers to be found at the network? Or is this is this a pretty worthwhile idea if these people are coming to the table and offering you enormous money for the rights to your biggest events? I, I think it is. And I, I think I think everything in, in WWE could really be exploded based on whether or not they, they're able to create stars. And I, I just think that as long as Vince McMahon is you know, able, he's going to be behind creative and W's going to have these same problems creating stars. So I, so I guess if that's the hand that you're, that you're dealt and you're not going to explode the business downstream by creating massive stars in the, in the sense of like a John Cena or a Steve Austin or a rock or a Hogan or something like that, then, then I guess then, you know, put all your eggs in the basket of media strategy and, and rather than betting that you can make a huge amount of money with direct to consumer, you can just well, maybe instead of that, you can just do business deals and sell your media rights to somebody else that's going to give you guaranteed money for it. It's worked well with the UFC, you know, with uh, with the absence of, uh, you know, somebody comparable to Conor McGregor. Um, that guaranteed money probably looks pretty good to the WWE right now. Uh, any and, other? And so, yes. In please. the case of UFC, in the case of UFC, they're they're selling the pay per views. Like those are still pay per view events yeah. that you have to pay an individual fee for. I, and I guess a big question is what what's how is WWE going to deal with that i i think it's less likely that they're going to sell an individual pay-per-view buy like ever again i think they i think just by having what it's been since 2014 that any you know most anybody's paid for a pay-per-view for wwe and you sold it all for a ten dollar monthly package I, th- I think it's gonna be a really hard sell if 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 the idea is which i don't think the idea is is to is to sell a, a pay-per-view in the sense that ufc is on on espn plus so uh I, I think that's what's going to happen, and I think it leaves a lot of unanswered, unanswered questions. Not that they're not financially manageable questions, but unanswered questions about, you know, how is that going to, uh, how how are things going to, you know, unfold in international markets like Canada, for example, where you've got a whole different approach to the W network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the resulting price, if that were were to be the case, the resulting price of these individual pay per views would be really interesting too. Could they go back up to that the price that they were before the WWE Network? Um, that would be a pretty, I would say, it'd be a pretty bold move. I, I am of like, I think the confidence that if a wrestling fan wants to see a show, they'll be they'll be willing to pay for it, you know. But I suppose what is that limit? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think what were they selling pay per views for before they made the switch? Like fifty five dollars, I think, just for the standard def, or sixty five for the the high def. Um, and and I think that was that was at a time where WWE was a bit more uh, popular than it is now. So I think it would be a really hard sell. Uh, before we wrap up, I guess as we go into two thousand twenty, it just you know, in light of the last seven days, it, it just puts this company in such an interesting. Uh, light because here we are the the fox and usa deals have kicked off it's going to be record revenue for years to come like there is so much stability with this company and yet it seems like this is the highest point i would say of uncertainty among stockholders uh, just because of these these moves and and questions about the future even though they've they've got these deals in place and and the, the company has never been more stable at such a high level yeah, it's it's a very financially stable company. I I think you know they really expected to do better at the year end of 2019 than they did here. Um, they still broke the revenue record. This was still the, the highest revenue year ever for WWE. Uh, they still hit re- record annual operating income. Uh, their their adjusted EBITDA, their magic profit metric adjusted EBITDA, was on the low end of the range that they had to adjust down to in the middle of the year. Uh, their net income was short of the record. That, that they set last year of like a hundred million dollars. It was seventy-seven million dollars in net income this year. So, and I, I've I've even done the um, the adjusted for inflation. So that's in like attitude error range, 
you know, last year they that, that was their highest ever adjusted for inflation. So, I mean, this is still a very profitable company. They've got TV rights fees that are going to float them at least to 2024, and it's going to allow them to break their financial records for many years to come. Uh, before we go, I definitely want to uh, let you uh, uh, promote the uh, unbelievable business breakdown you did for all of 2019, not just WWE. I mean, covering the entire industry. Uh, I, I check this out. It's just a phenomenal analysis of the year. Uh, if you could just give uh, people that might not be aware um, what, what it entails and where they can uh, purchase it. Yeah, there is a I, I spent all of January in Microsoft Word. And, and Microsoft Excel, creating this document that I turned into a PDF. It's called the WrestleNomics Pro Wrestling Industry Report for the full year of 2019. And basically, it's, it's key metrics, analysis, and insight for pro wrestling companies, including the WWE, AEW, New Japan, a little bit of impact. Uh, there's Ring of Honor as well. So the attendance, television, viewership, merchandise sales, which is at least in WWE's case, Google search, YouTube views, social media. Um, that's the first half of it. And then the second half, I go into a number of subjects that, that are sort of like longer uh, – longer form written articles about WWE's financial outlook, uh, the rise of New Japan, uh, what Ring of Honor has been doing, AEW's effect on the industry, and a lot of other subjects. You can find that at tinyurl.com slash WrestleNomics2019, and uh, that's on PayHip for $5. There's also a link in the description if you're uh, downloading this podcast or watching this on YouTube, so you can uh, click on that. There's also a five-page preview I understand that we'll link to as well. Tremendous uh, granularity, uh, Brandon, in this report. Tons of granularity. Only, only the the most granule granularity. <laughs> hey, hey, that's that's my last question. Is what impression Frank Riddick left on you? I mean, George Barrios is leaving a major hole in the uh, in our ecosystem. But in terms of Frank Riddick, any any uh, first blush reaction to the man replacing George Barrios, at least in this uh, this public facing role, uh, it didn't really drop any vocabulary that was uh, uh, left any impression on me. But I'm curious your impression of the man. Yeah, no. I uh, other than uh, so the the intricacies of doing business with the Saudi government, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, he was a pretty. St- I don't know. Fr- Frank A. Riddick is is this name that I've seen when whenever WWE distributes their their stock rewards for um for the board of directors. He's been on the board of directors for a number of years. I don't know. He just seems like another another. I don't know. Corporate type CEO. He was fine, but but yeah, the loss of George Barrios is 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 a huge blow to the WrestleNomics universe. He was, a, he was, but like kind of seriously in our, in our story that we follow, he was a huge character and, uh, somebody that we list, we listened to all his conference talks and, you know, hyperanalyzed all his, his thoughts on, uh, on the wrestling business and on the media business. And, and he will be missed. Hey, if, if Ted Turner's on the observer ballot, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson should be on that ballot. I feel. Yeah. That, that's the argument that I made for sure. So, uh, Brandon, it's always great to catch up with you and uh, and dissect all of this uh, this data for everybody out there. It's a really intriguing part of the business, and uh, we wish you all all the best uh, with WrestleNomics Radio. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have you back if you are so willing to come back. Absolutely, anytime, guys. Appreciate all right. it. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. All right. That was Brandon Thurston, everybody. Uh, do check out that that PDF. Uh, the link is in the description. Mm-hmm. It's it's a phenomenal breakdown. The hours that must go, uh, have gone into it, that, and the uh, just the uh, the Microsoft Excel envy, something that I've never been able to master. The graphs are incredible, very well presented. Like if you're somebody like me who really does not have a, an affinity for these types of numbers, to just see a chart of like the progression of. All of these different metrics is incredibly helpful. And uh, it's like can... what we talked about with Grapple like last week, mm-hmm. like being able to take the incredible data, but yeah. have it pre- presented in a really uh, pleasing aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow him at WrestleNomics. 
at Brandon Thurston as well. And I believe he does writing for Fightful. Uh, he's got a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Network. If you just search Wrestled, WrestleNomics Radio, uh, he's everywhere right now. And I guess this is sort of his uh, WrestleMania season, isn't it? Um, we're going to be getting back to the calls in a few minutes. We just want to mention, we did mention this on, on Wednesday night, but TSN did put out a press release today confirming that uh, they do have, now, they will be covering or carrying the XFL games this season, including and in, uh, up to the championship game in April. So uh, that starts on Saturday. And for those that were out of Canada, uh, they were running those bumpers in and out of AEW on Wednesday night, which is uh, probably smart programming to tag that onto. And if there was, a, there was any, you know, further questioning about how much integration there would be in WWE um, uh, uh, television, I think today's conference call kind of answered that for you, right? How much are you expecting on uh, SmackDown on Friday? I'll be very surprised if they don't push it within the body of SmackDown. Like if I'm Fox, I am absolutely using that real estate on one of our highest, like of the potential crossover like yes you've got the super bowl on sunday that would be your natural to build a football audience but second would be friday night smackdown i could see as much as maybe a lower third mention maybe even a commercial coming out of uh, uh one of the breaks but i mean seeing how how adamant they were to let you know that any any concerns that these two companies were one and the same they tried to wipe away as you, much as you should can. definitely try and watch the fox feed on friday night as opposed to the uh, the sports sure feed okay because, uh, sportsnet that. will not be promoting it uh within their commercial right. inventory want to go to the phone line let's take some phone line uh phone calls hey caller you're on the air what's up hey guys paul from new jersey hey paul hi paul hey so what i took away from this and maybe this is from just the wrestling fans perspective but um, I know Brandon uh, Thurston touched on it, but Brandon Ross's question, uh, I think he's with Light Shed Part. Um, he had said something to the effect of, you know, Vince, what are you doing to secure talent for the future and, and make them stars? And are you kind of, he kind of alluded just like, are you just signing talent to sign talent so other places don't have them? And, uh, you know, Vince gave the very, you know, answer and just didn't really say much. Um, and I just look at like as somebody who watches this product on a weekly basis, you can talk about all the business they do, which is amazing. They're financially stable, the juggernaut of a company. But at the end of the day, I think why ratings are, are going down, which according to Vince, they're not. And, you know, some of the disconnect with fans uh, making new fans is I've seen this company miss with the street profits they're missing with right now. Uh, mediocre heel Bailey and, and Lacey Evans, who I think, you know, her backstory and her character, if they didn't rush it, could it, I mean, there's no reason she couldn't be on The View or Good Morning America and translating to another platform. Um, and I just wanted you guys to just speak on that. I, I don't know if I have really a specific question, but just like, is that, uh, um, I think Brandon Ross also said, hey, is that why it's down? Because maybe you guys aren't focusing on the talent. Um, I just want to get your opinions on um, basically my thoughts on that stuff. Thanks, Paul. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it, Paul. Um, yeah, no, that was, to me, uh, that aspect of the call, I mean, you can just clearly look. Like, WWE is in stockpiling mode right now. That mm -hmm. that question may have been the closest we would ever have gotten to uh, a Timothy Thatcher reference on a WWE earnings call for Vince McMahon <laughs> to cite some of the uh, the new signings uh, that they have just uh, uh, brought into the company. Um, there's There's definitely, to me, a big gap between, you know, creating stars and just signing talent. Like they have never had more talent underneath their system. And in this, like part of the, the whole narrative around the performance center is that we can 
build up our stars and we've we've got like this factory that's just going to produce all these new and yes you have bodies but how many game-changing performers do they have that mean something to business how many performers were brought up on this investors call today none i don't think one was mentioned it, it absolutely felt to me you know listening to this that creative might be a concern with maybe a select you know uh, uh investors who might follow the product but to the vast majority when it comes to this sort of topic it is such a minuscule, I think, small aspect of you know uh, what 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 a year's performance might be. What what seems really important for the WWE that I don't. I'm sure they're paying attention to it, but are they fo- focusing as much on that as say you know the Mina deal or or uh, you know selling your rights fees? I'm not sure. Yeah, everything is about you know pretty much guaranteed revenue streams, and that's mm-hmm. what the company has kind of insulated itself from being reliant on such things. But to me, the the difference between when you can have you know a UFC 246 mm-hmm. like that is that is your ultimate example of when a star clicks and the the world it it sounds like hyperbole, but the sporting world stopped that night to at least. Uh, watch that fight like that was a major sports deal and this is why like i think i i'm often disappointed listening to these investors calls for with the line of questioning because you never really get that much questioning uh about what is actually presented on on television uh you know and i think a, a topic like that is very much like i i could see why people wouldn't ask it because it has no direct at least like in the in the short term no direct influence on on you know financials it's something that you know you you're planting a seed and then you might see it sprout you know 2 3 years down the line so these questions aren't necessarily brought up but nonetheless of course they are incredibly you can argue maybe one of the most important things to I mean I business. mean you can tie like a, a major star hitting you can you can trace that to television viewership and trends certainly to house shows mm-hmm. like why are house shows down oh yeah um that's the, you know consumer products when you're talking about merch that is directly related to how over your talent is. but it's this like kind of short-term attention span always wanting to like spike a number spike a big wrestlemania that i think you're you know you continue to see why why there is such a reliance on bringing back old stars you know bring back celebrities in order to you know pop that single rating in order to appease investors for like this this one quarter um, back to the phone line? Yeah, let's go back to the phone lines. Sure. Got hey, caller, you're on the air. What's up? Finally, MJ has returned oh. to the wrestling cafe. Yes, yes. And what a week for you to make your return. Yes. What a week. Um, you know, I've been on and on about how bad did Vince want to get rid of Barrios and Wilson that he was willing to cost himself, and Brandon answered this question for me on Twitter, approximately $500 million on paper. And that's just Vince alone, not the family members. Um, sent his stock into free fall, investors panic. Um, you got to imagine it probably wouldn't have dropped 23. It's now down 30 something percent for the year. You got to figure that wouldn't have all happened today, just based on the um, earnings miss. Um, mm. So to me, it's, you know, as an investor, as someone that's played around with the stock and as somebody that follows the industry, it's, what message is this chairman and CEO who is notorious for controlling everything sending to um, his shareholders and people that are basically putting faith in him making these decisions that he would act so irrationally? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll follow that up by saying, obviously, today's call was illuminating about maybe they're going to sell out these uh, pay-per-views to sell the rights to other um, content providers or, or streaming networks. There is a great chance that that comes in at a very nice number, and that looks like good guaranteed money in the stock rebound. So maybe that was a calculated decision. Um, but to, to incur that kind of panic on the street, 
it does long-term damage. And you've heard me talk about in five years, these TV rights are going to be up. And the way the metrics are going, the way the trends are, ratings are, I can't imagine they get the same kind of money. Um, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But this is a long-term, you know, stocks are long-term investments for people. So to send people into a panic, it's not just about the short term. It's also long-term. Let, let me ask you, MJ, because, you know, you, you, you know, you say like this action like this certainly uh, might raise um, concern about Vince, Vince McMahon, but who else is there? And if you're a typical investor who maybe doesn't follow the ins and outs, I mean, does Vince still represent sort of like, like that, that pillar that, that always has to be there? Um, I'm not sure I follow the question, but who else is there? I mean, in a lot of companies, there are boards and there's votes for these things. Now, Vince owns all those B shares and he has total voting rights. So he can act um, He can act unilaterally. He can make these decisions on his own. He now cites the board in the release that the board has come to this decision, but that's really just him. Um, it does set up the next people that come into a role. Uh, they're going to be answering to him and they recognize that there's a difference in strategy. Are they the scapegoats? You know, and scapegoats is interesting because Hunter is positioned as the chief operating officer. The global expansion is largely his um, strat or his initiative. Stephanie is the chief branding officer, and for all intents and purposes, the public-facing marketing officer. Although we know Michelle was doing that in the in the background. So when you scapegoat co-presidents like that, and you have your children in positions that are highly visible to the public, it again it brings in nepotism. It brings in what kind of company am I investing dollars into? And I think that really plays into the confidence level that investors should have in somebody like Vince. So I don't know if that answers your question. Like, who else is there? Mm-hmm. You know, at typical companies, you see this all the time. Like, I, I work in the space, so I'm familiar with uh, corporate transactions, um, leadership changes. Usually there's a transition plan. Usually there's a runway for a president, or in this case, co-presidents, to be off-boarded while they look for a replacement or there's a successor in line that people are already familiar with. We just know that the public-facing people of this company were Vince, Michelle, George, Hunter Hurst, Triple H, Paul Levesque, and Stephanie. So there is no real clear path to what is the succession plan, what is the transition. Um, And it's interesting that they make not kill the network, but they're going to try to devalue what that network is because it does raise the flag of like, what is the long-term plan for this company? Um, it raises a lot of questions. Obviously there's a lot to digest there. Um, hey, before you guys cut me off way, do you know about Lego masters on Fox? Oh, do I? Of course. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually, it's actually, um, I guess a, an American version of a UK, uh, version of the show that they they've already done. I haven't really watched it. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, it sounds kind of cool. Are you? Will you be paying attention to it? I'll pay attention to it if you review it. Not sure if I'll be doing a review, but um, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll wait for the investors, uh, the Lego Masters investors call to hey, discuss. Hey, it. the last thing on the last thing on today's call, and Paul from New Jersey mentioned it. The AEW bit. Mm-hmm. It's funny to hear him talk about AEW is not influencing their business yet. They've invested. Tons of money. You know, you look at that net income number. They had all these TV rights fees hit in the fourth quarter, and yet they reported lower net income from last year. Now, yes, I think John mentioned the investment in Stanford and what the, the new headquarters looks like, and there's obviously some money being allocated to assist XFL, um, you know, getting that up and running. But you just look at how much money they've burned through already signing talent, and then you want to say we're not influenced by AEW. Um it's curious to me, and I said this a few calls ago, a few conference calls ago, 
all you have to do is look at the independent merch trends versus WWE merch trends because it's not like wrestling merchandise and consumer engagement is, I would argue, it's at an all-time high. Look at the industry you guys are in. So many podcasts, so much available income that people are willing to part with to support wrestling. And yet you look at those WWE consumer metrics and across the board, they're down quarter after quarter. Um, it's amazing that nobody digs into that. No analysts ever really pushed the envelope on that. I wonder how many of them are even aware. Really? You know, are they just people who yeah. just follow numbers? It's, it's funny because it's viewed as a media company and you have analysts covering it like it's a media company and you're looking at content rights and you're looking at stream revenue streams and it's not looked at as a wrestling company or the way that a, a sports franchise might be looked at where selling jerseys is very important to the bottom line of a sports franchise. The Toronto Raptors care about those numbers. It, it's almost like the WWE is willing to say, that's not our business line. We're a content company and anything else is lost leaders, if you will, because we have to engage in live attendance or live live shows we have to engage in consumer merch to have our brand out there um it's very interesting how they've positioned the company in the last 18 months thank you so much for the call mj always uh, like talking to you good to uh, be back like and this. congratulations oh thank you so much thank you congrats to you john i think that was meant for you yes yes definitely yeah and that's that's one other thing that as as much as we can look at you know slashing certain house shows and you know you would you would come to the conclusion that that's going to help your average because you're not canceling television tapings you're you have a higher concentration of those bigger events that help your average what that doesn't help is merchandise because running fewer shows that's not boosting your average of merchandise it's just it's it's less revenue that you are leaving and granted like you still have dot com but you you, yeah. you do but that's to me it's like it's a, a it's half an, an in-person purchase is is going to be viewed differently and i mean mm-hmm. we are talking about for the quarter they brought in 30.8 million they were down 2 million for the quarter in consumer products it is a small item in in the grand scheme of things but it is a metric to still pay attention to it all adds up i'm sure back to the phone lines caller you're on the air what's up hey, what's going on, guys? oh my goodness Hello. Are you okay, Vince? The other Brandon. Oh. What's your obita today? What? What's post wrestling's obita? <laughs> we're, a pri- we're a private company. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if you could sell the Spotify today, would you like the ring? If we what? No, Spotify couldn't afford it. I'll sell to Spotify. <laughs> Got it. No. Uh, your analysis, uh, Brandon. Yeah, this is, Where, this where's is, the analysis uh, everyone was waiting where's for? Where's your 48-page report? I, I was waiting for Brandon to get on the investors' call today and ask Vince McMahon, uh, any more color on the fish <laughs> that Bobby Frisch could fry? Uh, should <laughs> Bobby Fish be able to fry such fish? Any color on that? Jesus. Oh, man. If, if you would have gave me the number, I would have loved to uh, crash that. <laughs> <laughs> from from uh, Brandon Brandon's New Jersey Holdings Incorporated on the line right now. <laughs> And then he just bursts into laughter with Vince. That would have been a moment, wouldn't it? Well, maybe, well, maybe we'll send you on our behalf did, on the did next episode. Did we lose Brandon? Did we? Did he laugh himself off? Yeah, I, I did it in for him. The the Bobby Fish joke oh, killed my. him. Okay. Well, well uh, shorter appearance from Brandon this week. Unfortunately. Yeah, some some will rejoice and some will be sad that we lost Brandon. Let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, hello. Hey guys, first time, long time. This is Alex from New York. Oh, hey. Alex from New York. Hello, we always Alex. like uh, newcomers on the show. Well, welcome to the show, Alex. What would you like to discuss? So, yeah, um, unlike, first of all, thank you guys so much. You guys do a great job, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, Unlike a lot of the other people, um, a lot of the other subscribers, uh, Raw and SmackDown are not the worst written shows 
that I watch every week. Um, my wife subjects me to The Bachelor, and well, that that's a documentary. That's that's legit, though. <laughs> I understand that it's very compelling, but at the same time, that's a show that literally, other than production value, I mean, it is some of the worst writing, some of the worst premises, just some of the most inauthentic things you've ever seen. And that's on a major broadcast network. And they're doing about double, I think, what uh, Raw is doing on USA each week. So I guess my question is, long story short, is is it so much about the writing and the characters or is it, or is it just more about the limited uh, audience that there might be for professional wrestling, especially with all the content that's out there? Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot, Alex. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, we, we keep kind of circling back to this topic. And I think ultimately it's if there was a, a major star that caught fire, I think you'd suddenly realize that there would be a lot of people checking in on on WWE last fans or people that, you know, sense that, you know, a product is hot. And that's when you bring in non wrestling fans to check out your product and hopefully make some fans out of them. I mean, that that should be the goal. I don't believe that there are 2.4 million fans and that and that's it in the U.S. that have some interest when you see some of these WWE uh, studies that they've done of like these ridiculous figures, um, they yeah. believe many more out there uh, when you have um, to me that that star that can, you know, that to me is the difference between uh, a couple hundred thousand tuning into a UFC fight night and 500,000 new people in the U S signing up for ESPN plus that week for UFC 246. Like that's what a, a massive star can, can do. And, and change fortunes for you for, you know, for a big time event like that. Back to the phone lines. Hansi, you're in the air. What's up? Yo, what's going on, guys? How are you? We're doing well, Hansi. Uh, no, I, I, listen, I, I got nothing to add with the, 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 the financials. I'm, I'm too stupid to it. So I, I thank no, you guys Hansi. for breaking it down. To, I thank you guys for breaking it down for us. But I, I just wanted to get two things and I'll, I'll you know go go along um yesterday on NXT I got to say I really enjoyed the uh Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley and even though like prior I was like you know I I want to see Rhea Ripley versus you know Charlotte do you guys anticipate that maybe they might make it a triple threat I know I know Paul like you don't like triple threats too much but I just thought Bianca did so well in that segment like she came off like the star more than both Charlotte and and Rhea. And um, the second question before I go, um, do you do you do you think that Gold the Goldberg appearance is just going to be a one off at the Super Showdown, or do you think he has a match at Mania? Because I'm kind of worried that like he's going to squash the Fiend at Saudi Arabia, or maybe hmm. the Fiend's going to squash him. Maybe I don't know. But do you have any idea who you think Goldberg's uh, uh who, who you know Goldberg's opponent? opponent's going to be or is it just going to be a one-off or is he working a program and i'll take your comments off the air thanks andy well let me ask you what do you feel would be the more interesting mania match of the fiend and roman reigns goldberg roman reigns for me it's goldberg um with either of them i mean fiend versus roman reigns which, from all indications, is is the WrestleMania match. is fine. I feel like it's. It, I kind of can't expect what that match will be like. Um, Goldberg is a character that I think makes infrequent appearances, and they've managed to uh, craft, I think, a style of match for him that that it feels unique and, and feels like it's more of a an extravagant sort of like big show type of match. 
Um, and I would assume that your casual audience would might agree that perhaps you know the the nostalgia of 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 a Goldberg name might mean more to them than let's say Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns. Uh, but of course, I think the match would be better if it was Bray versus Roman Reigns. Yeah, I think they're like just the Fiend matches. They're they're very difficult. I I can't even envision what a Goldberg Fiend match looks like. And so so uh, Hansi brought up the possibility of the squash, and I think on paper, what is it, a fifty something year old Goldberg squashing one of your top main heels? That sounds terrible. At the same time, I, w- I would have said that same thing when you had Goldberg squash Brock Lesnar, and look at the great business they did for several events coming off of that i think this would be similar to when goldberg beat kevin owens in a couple of seconds for the title and how that was viewed that listen i the idea of bill goldberg and roman reigns i would be lying if i said i i don't think that's like a big match even today in 2020 i think that can be promoted as as a big match but it just to me Having to sacrifice the fiend, yeah. they, they've put everything into the fiend. So I'm looking at it as the fiend and See, reigns at WrestleMania. If he's to me, if I think the fiend is somebody that they 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 put so much stock into that they see as a, like you know a, just a, somebody that that is set up for them for the future. That I think even if Goldberg squashes him, the fiend would get his revenge and this fiend would would get that win back. I don't think they would squash the fiend unless unless it was to set up a rematch where the fiend ultimately beats Goldberg. Um, but I mean, it could be, could be moving on to Goldberg versus Roman, which yeah, it would be a bigger match. Uh, the 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 part of me that you know, the part of us that I think is so disappointed, complaining on this show about their lack of creating new stars, would be really sad. And that's why I don't see that happening. Like the Fiend is, done it, you know, whether people are fans or not of the character, there's been no compromising that character. They have been all in on him, and there is no hint of them cutting bait on that character more so than somebody like Kevin Owens. Yes, yeah. which would lead me to believe that you know the fiend is going to be uh, well protected going into WrestleMania. Uh, he had another question about uh, Bianca Belair with oh, yeah, uh, the Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. I, I don't see a three way. I don't see it either. I really just saw the segment this week on NXT as sort of a way to include Bianca Belair in the con- in the conversation, so that she's just not simply overlooked because she is the person who has the title match ne- next week. It almost know? felt like they had to acknowledge the Charlotte Rhea Ripley story by having Rhea Ripley confront her this past week, even though that probably should have been the raw after takeover. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, Who knows the, the reason why they timed it this way, but what I do expect though, is Charlotte to be pretty regular on NXT leading into mania. Mm-hmm. And one of those weeks you should do Charlotte versus Bianca and build yeah. up. That'll be a big week for NXT doing yes. that match on TV. I agree. I, I think that's when you should do it. It's also, I think a, a great test for Bianca Belair. I'm sure, you know, like seeing how audiences might react to her, situated between these two um it's not entirely out of the question that i think this this feud can be really good for bianca belair even if she doesn't come out of it winning the match she came off well in that segment wednesday and you know by teasing the charlotte Rhea match with bianca still in there it does at least create some doubt for the takeover outcome and here is a viable option you Mm -hmm. could you could go with but i do expect ripley and charlotte at wrestlemania but totally do the match on tv Back to the phone lines now. We will get to NXT AEW ratings as soon as they come out uh, a little bit later. But for now, let's uh, go to the calls. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? Hi, guys. Hey, who's this? This Boyd from Glasgow. Hey, Hello, Boyd. Boyd. How you doing? We're doing tremendous. Yeah, pretty well. 
Thanks for putting the call up, um, the earnings call on the website. It's always good to hear them. Really interesting. Not a problem. That is um, available for free uh, for anybody who uh, wants to listen. It's just on patreon.com slash postwrestling. You don't even have to be a patron. Just click on the post and listen to it. So I haven't listened to it on the way home. Um, and as a prospective investor in WWE, because I manage a lot of my own pension fund over in the UK, hmm. um, it's a stock I could buy. What I took away from that was it's a company pretty much bereft of ideas and in denial. Hmm. Um, and when I say company, I mean Vince. Um, the way they spin how somehow the ratings are increasing, um, particularly when they're talking about how the ratings for SmackDown have gone up. Yeah. So in reality, the network that it's on has got a much, much larger um, for sure. available audience. For sure. So, they seem to not be acknowledging that their business is in decline. And John's made a good point earlier, well, quite a lot of callers have made some of the points he's going to make, that they seem to have this fixation on buying up talent and signing loads of talent to contracts just so they don't go to AEW. But a lot of the people they're signing up to on these huge money contracts, which ultimately is affecting the bottom line, so I think of people like Gallows and Anderson, who I think are reported to be on 500000 a year, if they went to AEW, do you think they would really move the dial for AEW ratings? So they're spending so much on talent mm -hmm. that as a prospective investor, when I look at, is that a growth stock or is it a dividend stock? Because the money they're spending and investing, and Vince is continuing to say he's going to invest, means that they're not going to be paying a dividend in that stock. I think the dividend is something like 1%. It, it doesn't make for an appealing investment for me, and I'm guessing that's why the stock's going the way it's going just now. No, and it's a great point you bring up, Boyd, that as well, a lot of that too is fighting this perception that you don't want out there of talent leaving your company for greener pastures. And yet, you know, as we've been talking about on this call, the number of investors that are paying attention to that aspect of things is a small percentage. There is not stockholders that were up in arms that Chris Jericho was showing up in AEW. They're not paying attention to that stuff. If AEW they, itself is a minuscule discussion. When it, it comes it, to that. It's very small. We yeah. we had, you know, one reference to it from, from a caller on here. And it's, you know, the idea of any of the talent that their deals are coming to, especially undercard talent, mid-card talent, that's that's not registering. Mm -hmm. That's that's to me, that's a an in-the-bubble paranoia of WWE of just we've got the money to keep them, and it's an ego thing about not wanting anyone to go out there. And invariably, you could look at they are certainly overpaying talent when it's commensurate to their placement on TV and what revenue they're drawing for the company. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I think you've nailed it, John. I think it's an ego thing with Vince. At the end of the day, if you're looking at it from a normal company point of view at the board, I don't think half these decisions would be getting made. Yeah, and, and you can look at, like, personally... I'm happy for this talent making as much money as they possibly can. It's great for the talent that there's that that perception out there, or at least fighting that perception. But if you're looking at it just from the from a business perspective of what we're making off of this talent versus what we're paying them, you know, certainly there there's talent that um, you know it's great for talent, but the the company it's certainly I think it's just fighting a perception you don't want out there. Yeah, and I think the only way they're ever going to see an increase in ratings, again, you mentioned earlier on, is create stars. Because at the end of the day, you look at both AEW and you look at WWE, there's never been better, I suppose, action in terms of athletic action um, and athletic performers under contract. But at the end of the day, ratings continue to decline. So it's either one of two things. Fans aren't turned on to the storylines and the booking, or you've not got the stars to draw those ratings. Thank you so much for the call, Boyd. Please call back. Okay, cheers, guys.
We go back to the phone lines. Ramp of calls today. Yeah, we're, or at least, uh, oh, I guess it's not so much working right now. Uh, anyway, we'll take a call if we get it. But A, uh, a question to ask as well is what, you know, the the average WWE Network subscriber, what their response would be if you're taking off, let's just say the top, the, the big four that are taken off of the network. Are you still keeping that network as a fan, spending your anywhere from, I guess in Canada now it's it's twelve ninety nine mm-hmm. a month on Rogers. Um, are you still spending your ten to thirteen dollars a month for the library, for your chronicles, your takeovers that will, would by default become the big driver, providing the takeovers are still there. Takeovers, you know, I I, I feel like they will do everything in their power to make sure that there's still attractive options, um, even if you take out the big four. Uh, but, you know, I feel like anytime you change something major about any of these services, it, it's a constant reminder for somebody to, to reassess their relationship with it. Do I really need it? Can I get rid of it? And maybe you see people get rid of it. Um, who knows maybe how, how their tier structures might play into that discussion as well if they choose to shake everything up. Maybe they offer a package where for a premium tier, you get the big four. Uh, if, if that's even an option, who knows? There are a lot of ways I feel like they can slice that pie. Yeah, and and replacing it with more new content that if mm-hmm. you do introduce your your progress or uh, other companies that you can put in there that you're satisfying that that diehard fan mm-hmm. that is not going to part with the network more and more. I think you know the research seems to suggest like the it, it's catering more towards a a, a wrestling fan that likes in ring like you know puts a puts a precedent on I think in ring quality. And maybe investing more in that, uh, those might end up being, you know, uh, an, an equal or at least a comparable draw to, let's say, something like, I don't know, I don't know, TLC or Survivor Series. Um, I'm not sure. We go back to the phone lines. Who's this? Hey, what's up, man? I got my call got cut off. I apologize. Are you OK? You're safe. We were worried. I'm good. I'm good. I, I got my serious voice. I was going to ask a legit question this time. Uh, uh, you guys were talking about the the big four or whatever the shows being. Uh, I guess there, there's going to be uh, maybe possibly a, a tier. Uh, well, they were talking about a tier service, but they, uh, but then I also heard like, oh, we're going to uh, ferry our pay per views over to like Peacock. I mean, because they're NBC and whatnot, and 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 like, like how how is that going to work? Like, is it, is this going to be another charge that they're going to charge the fans separately? Like, like how ESPN Plus does with the you know, you get all the UFC stuff, but then you're gonna have to pay an extra, like, I don't know, forty bucks for like. Yeah, and let's preface uh, these, these are all theories at this point. This is nothing um, concrete yet concrete. or anything, but you know, in in theory, like if you are if you are selling off these shows to another streaming service, the intent would be that you, the consumer, would have to go and sign up for another service to buy these big shows, and that may push people to say that, hey, if uh, if another streaming platform I have to spend X amount of dollars on to see WrestleMania, I'm no longer putting that same amount towards the WWE Network. I've got this amount of money that I allocate my budget for WWE programming, and I'm going to move it elsewhere. And that's, I guess, what they're hoping to at least mitigate if they're you know, going to keep some function of the net- network going. Which is like, uh, I mean, I guess Fight Pass is still, I guess it's still viable, right? It's still solvent, right? People, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're making money off it still, but I mean, people are still just there for the library and whatnot. Yeah, but I yeah, mean, they, they they have 
there, I mean, they are running so much non UFC fight programming on there, coupled with the library. That I mean, if you're a hardcore MMA fan, there's certainly lots to watch on there. But it's it's not a it's not going to be a mass audience you're going to attract to a fight pass. But they also never made the mistake of committing their most premium content onto fight pass. They were doing some big fight pass cards like Michael Bisping and Anderson Silva. You've certainly seen that kind of dissipate. They're not putting those major cards any longer, but there's still a role for fight pass. It's just, it's not, it's not one of their, their top priorities that at one time WWE network was. Okay. And a couple questions I'll get out of here. Um, uh, one more question, Brandon. Or, okay. Um, the fight this weekend, uh, do you think John Jones, uh, I don't know, man, I think he might, I, I I think there's a chance that he might slip. What do you think about that? I think I think uh, I think he might. Uh, I think he'll win, but I think it's going to be close. Like the other, time. I, don't, I don't I don't know. I just think John is the same killer that he was after the whole Pico Graham stuff. What's not? Think about that. I'm out of here. Thanks a lot, Brandon. I think it comes down to how much um, stock you put into the last fight with Tiago Santos. I I'm definitely picking John Jones in this fight. I don't think Dominic Reyes is. At the level where I'm looking at him as a significant threat to John Jones, um, certainly, I mean, that left hand of his, it's its something to be concerned with. Um, but I, I, I'm definitely picking John Jones in the in this fight on, on Saturday. We've got our uh, AEW NXT ratings that have just come out. AEW this week did 928,000, which is up 100,000 total viewers from last week. And they, are, they also did a 0. .36 and 18 to 49, whereas NXT... Is up as well from uh, to seven hundred seventy thousand, up from seven hundred and twelve thousand the week prior, uh, doing a point two two for eighteen to forty nine. So, so that that's identical with what um, NXT did last week in the uh, in the demo, and you mm-hmm. said a point three six for AEW. Correct. So they were up point uh, zero two from last week, and it was nine hundred and how much? Nine hundred twenty eight. Nine hundred twenty eight. So. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big jump from last week. And this this was a show that going in, um, I would say kind of disappointing for NXT that, that Charlotte didn't make that much of a difference. And she wasn't really presented as such a big draw really on Monday. That was what they were pushing. Yeah. It was one element, but I I suppose on the show itself, it's not necessarily, it wasn't necessarily that big of a featured segment at least. No, I mean, it wasn't put into, um, you know, it didn't open the show, didn't close the show. Um, I mean, it. NXT was up moderately, but it was kind of a minor jump. Whereas uh, AEW, I would say, like it was mm-hmm. clearly there was interest in this show this week. How much of that has to do with you know outside of fa- factors, and how much of it do you think has to do with the the lashing segment? Because that was the heavily promoted thing about that show. I could certainly see a pattern where the show grew throughout the two hours, peaking with that that final segment. Because I thought they did a really good job of building up to that segment. If you were just tuning in. And, I mean, they had been promoting that since it was, what, the New Year's Day show that MJF laid out the stipulations. So you've had a month to build up that segment. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, that's something you don't get in WWE. At most, you're getting a week's notice about a match or a segment. They uh, And I think AEW has learned this because on Wednesday night, they didn't just promote matches for next week. They promoted matches for two weeks from now. They promoted a match for three weeks from now. And I think they realize if we plant a seed that many weeks out, it's going to blossom that much further by the time we get there. So Pac and Kenny Omega is going to, you have three weeks to think about that match, to look forward to that match, to know that match is happening on that night as opposed to announcing it that, that day on Twitter. 
I mean, it's the pay-per-view philosophy, isn't it? You know, you set people's expectations up for something and, uh, rather than promoting it on pay-per-view, I suppose you're just promoting it on a future week's television. Yeah. And kind of the next one to look at is how well that, that cage match does. They're mm-hmm. promoting it as the first ever cage match. It's in Atlanta, which should be positioned as a big show at the major arena they're running. And it's arguably your biggest star in the match in Cody. Mm-hmm. So, um, those are your numbers. We'll have a, uh, a further, uh, breakdown of those, um, in terms of next week, did did we get anything announced for NXT next week? Oh, I'm sure they announced something. I can't think about what, though. We uh, got uh, next week's the go-home show for TakeOver. Yes. So yes, it is. That's what the, the big thing is. Uh, any quick thoughts on NXT for uh, Wednesday night? You know what? Uh, to me, the thing that's <laughs> that stood out the most... Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle. Absolutely. How much fish can Bobby Fish fry... If Bobby Fish could fry fish, um, the fact that they went all in on like making this segment about something so stupid, and the fact that it worked so well with Matt Riddle because Riddle's lead, delivery was amazing, leading this really incredibly the dumbest chant I've ever heard uh, at a professional wrestling event. The fact that it was so successful, and the fact that I'm even talking about it right now because I couldn't get it out of my head after the fact. Um, tells you that i think they've really found like a, a voice for matt riddle that is incredibly unique and that seems to be working at least within full sail so i was impressed by the presentation of him and pete dunn i i just thought it, it was hilarious i liked what they did with the undisputed era all night just like running roughshod over everybody um i thought that that worked out really well and then they built up to the to the six man throughout um what else did we have on the show? We had uh, uh, Dominic Dijak uh, earning a... Well, I guess he was probably going to face uh, Keith Lee anyway. But they officially announced that he beat Killian Dane. Uh, I think they're doing a good job building that rivalry up between Dijak and Lee this time for a title. Uh, we had the face-to-face, as we previously talked about, with Bianca Belair and uh, Rhea Ripley that uh, met, mixed in with the Charlotte segment as well. Um, overall, I thought it was... Oh, sorry. The face-to-face was uh, that. That was one face-to-face. We also had a second face-to-face with uh, Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor. That was uh, more of a picture-in-picture type of thing. Um, that I thought it was all right. Came out okay. I thought it came a- across a little too rehearsed and maybe a little bit too rushed because it just felt like this guy. Uh, this guy had his lines memorized, and then they, boom, ping pong. I thought Balor came forth. across a lot better than Gargano did. Gargano, it was like that that screaming but enunciating promo at times that can just be it's very WWE like. Something just did not feel that organic about it. Did not feel like the natural flow of a conversation. But um, yeah, nonetheless, it's 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 a match. I can't say I'm super excited uh, about it, but I think it the the in ring quality will be will be very good. Angel Garza was back on the show, right, yeah, right off of Raw, cut a big heel promo at the end after the Isaiah Scott match. So it seems like he's not done with NXT, and that he'll be sticking around, um, looking to get a rematch against Jordan Devlin. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where they're teasing and kind of pushing Devlin that he's going to be on three brands at once with NXT UK and 205 Live. Oh, he's on 205 Live as well, right, because he's, he's the champion, popping up of course. There. Uh, so we also had Jordan Devlin taking on Tyler Breeze, and these two had a pretty lengthy match. And Breeze's role, I think, you know, since his return has really just been to put over other talents. And this was a good match. Um, Devlin's very, very talented. At the moment, I think, you know, especially if you're a new fan, I don't know if there's anything that necessarily stands up about him other than the fact that he seems to be a really great in-ring talent. Um, 
at least, you know, I don't think much has been presented about his personality. No real backstory being given uh, or at least, you know, anything that I think is that big of a hook yet. So at the moment, I just kind of find his presentation to just be that of another guy, no different than, you know, a Travis Banks or anybody else from NXT UK. So in the weeks to come, I hope they really get into his story. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that that takeover looks awesome on uh, mm-hmm. a week from Sunday. Do you like the the move to Sundays for takeovers do you think that could be makes no difference to me i mean yeah i don't i don't think it makes any difference personally all right well um i guess that that wraps up most of the news for the day um thank you everybody for the call we got a ton of calls today so that was that was tremendous uh we want to thank all of you for calling in brandon thurston for uh joining us as he does after all of these uh conference calls with uh, wwe do go check out that uh that business analysis again the the link is in the description of this podcast and then way and i are going to be back well i guess way will be back friday night i will not be on the show on friday night but way will be rewinding smackdown for everybody that's right we also forgot to mention velveteen dream made his return in the main event of uh, nxt last night um attacking undisputed era and then uh i guess uh building to a rematch or building to a match with roderick strong at some point correct yes so that was the uh, the big return on the nxt side all right everybody thank you for tuning in uh andrew thompson will have a news update later on today thanks for listening to the cafe hangout